Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. My name is Alex. It is Monday morning. It is early and we have had a very busy weekend. There is a lot to talk about for our kind of kickoff today, but it is February 28th, 2022, the last day of the second month of the first quarter. So let's take a look at the markets and see what the damage is. So what is going on in the world of the stock market? Well, in Russia, the market is closed, so we don't know. But in Asia, stocks are mixed. In Europe, stocks are down, but nothing too crazy. In the United States, stocks are set to open lower, but we have seen a lot of ups and downs in the last couple of trading sessions, so don't trust the preprint. Keep an eye on American equities as they trade throughout the day. Turning to crypto, uh, looking at this, the majors are off a little bit in the last 24 hours, but nothing really too crazy. We've seen some gains in crypto in the last seven days, so call it kind of an unch. The first section of news we're going to talk about today, of course, deals with Ukraine. It is the leading story around the entire globe because, well, we're seeing what happens when a nation tries to take another one in the modern era. I spent much of the weekend watching news in the country as Ukraine fought back against Russian invasion. We are learning the military and non-military cost, which is to say the economic price essentially of trying to steal another nation while the rest of the world says, hell no. So what do you need to know this morning? Well, Russia is increasingly in economic exile. The ruble has fallen very sharply against the dollar, for example, and as mentioned above, the Russian stock market is closed. The Times, the New York Times has a great headline here talking about how the ruble is crashing and how Russia's economy staggers under sanctions. Essentially, you could argue that the world should have been faster and quicker to the gun with its sanctions. Fair enough. But certainly they are having an impact today, and that does impact the tech industry of Russia such as it is. So according to Dsite, a Russian data company, Russian startups raised about a billion dollars in the first half of 2021, up from about 300 million in the same period of 2020. So not the world's largest startup market, but certainly one that is growing and is being impacted. Social media companies and news are also in the mix as Russia tries to bully Western tech companies like Facebook and Twitter into not moderating their own platforms, and Russia tries to leverage the same platforms for propaganda purposes. Fortune also reports that more than 125 startups have offices in Ukraine, so expect to see some spillover from geopolitics into our startup world this week. Now, look, all of that's important to companies and so forth, but we're not trying to diminish the reality of war. People are being killed, families are being torn apart, and a nation is under siege. But we are going to cover the news from our own perspective, our own kind of remit, if you will, which is the technology industry and startups. So that's what we can pull together this morning. Of course, we hope the war ends very, very soon and that Russia f***s off. So usually at this point in the show, we talk about big tech, you know, what's meta up to, what's Apple's latest device, but today a little bit different. We're talking about big tech from the perspective of politics. Over the weekend, the Republican Party here in America met in Florida to have a chat amongst itself, and big technology was in the crosshairs. There were lots and lots of complaints about what big tech, at least in theory, does. The normally pro-big business party has decided that tech has too much power. The question now is what will happen? There's two things, really. On one hand, there is a regulatory push in the American Congress, and on the other hand, there is an effort to build a sort of parallel internet of companies that have a more, quote, conservative bent. So, for example, we have Truth Social from the Trump Media Technology Group, though it struggled when it launched the other day, essentially showing a lot of technology issues. Then there's Rumble, the putatively conservative YouTube rival, which is apparently, so far as I can tell, a right-wing grievance echo chamber. Both, by the way, I'll point out the Trump Media Technology Group and Rumble are going public via SPACs. My question is, how many people really want a platform that just has kind of one thing? 
And that's what these are appearing to be whenever I go and take a look at them. I, I don't really know if I need more Hannity in my life. I, you know, I don't wake up and go, you know what I need is more of that. So we are seeing criticisms of big tech and an attempt to build companies to combat these, quote, big tech platforms. Just so far, I'm going to say it's kind of lame. But the commentary over the weekend did highlight the fact that this still resonates as an idea and a concept with a big chunk of the American population. So if you live in a country elsewhere in the world that has a conservative liberal split amongst your political parties, good news. You might get your very own rumble. Congratulations. Christine Hall from TechCrunch has a great notes up on a company called We, We with an exclamation point. Coming off a year where We's monthly active users grew by about 150%, the ethnic e-grocer, we report, has secured a $425 million Series E, and that means that it has now raised more than $800 million. And according to Larry Liu, the co-founder and CEO over at We, the company's goal is to, quote, become the primary source for food at home. Now, it has been a couple of years since TechCrunch dug into what the company was doing, so in case you're behind, let me catch you up. Founded in 2015, We offers over 10,000 locally sourced and hard-to-find Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, Filipino, Indian, and Latin offerings for customers. Essentially, if you have a cultural cuisine that you like to make, well, they might have the ingredients for it. The new round comes about a year after We raised a $316 million Series D that was last March, so March of 2021, and the new $425 million round does push Wii's valuation to $4.1 billion. Whew, that's a lot of money. Notably, the money came from SoftBank Vision Fund 2, which led the deal. And we have seen, I think, Vision Fund 2 rounds being a little bit smaller than Vision Fund 1 rounds, but here's one that's quite large. So maybe that data point that we thought we understood was actually just a temporary lull in how big of a check Vision Fund 2 is willing to write. All right, moving on. FPL Technologies, an Indian startup that operates one card, is set to double its valuation to about $1.5 billion in a new financing round. Now, whatever. There's a lot of companies in India, a lot of unicorns in India. So what? Well, one card is going to double its valuation a month after it disclosed its prior funding round. Now, this is according to TechCrunch reporting, our own Manish Singh, three different sources. So this is not confirmed yet, but it should be very soon. Singapore's Tamasek is going to be leading the round, we believe, and it should be a more than $100 million event. So what is one card? Well, it's a mobile first credit card, no annual fees, no joining fees, essentially bringing credit cards to the Indian market. And it also operates a thing called OneScore, which helps customers kind of get and understand their credit. I think it's overall pretty cool. Good to see more rounds out of India. Expect to see that one close shortly. Oh, and then one more tiny one here just for me. Um, Better Dairy has raised a $22 million Series A. If you are lactose intolerant, you know how bad fake cheese is as it exists today. There's a pizza store near where I live that has like almond cheese. Let me tell you, doesn't taste like almonds, doesn't taste like cheese. So I am absolutely here for Better Dairy making, at least in theory, a better fake cheese product. Lower our carbon footprint, save our stomachs, better dairy, Series A. Let's see what they can do with it. Wrapping up our news coverage today, we're going to discuss Zip, which is a BNPL company. BNPL, of course, stands for buy now, pay later. It is a market in the fintech world that has seen explosive growth both here in the United States and around the world. BNPL is essentially a way to offer consumer credit or installment loans, if you will, at the point of sale. Very big in the e-commerce world. You've, of course, heard of Affirm and probably Afterpay and Klarna. Anyways, Zip is going to buy its rival Settle for about $491 million, according to the Sydney Morning Herald. Now, Zip is an Australian company. Fair enough. It's also listed down there. 
Cecil is an American company, but is listed in Australia. And I went ahead and checked their stock prices this morning. Cecil has lost most of its value in recent quarters after peaking in kind of the mid-2021 timeframe. Zip has also had a similar pattern in its value. It went up and then it went down. Essentially, the pandemic really boosted the value of a certain set of companies. BNPL companies were one of them, and then they've kind of come back to earth since then. Now, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, the announcement comes as Zip reports a $214 million loss for the second half of last year. And the company's CEO, Larry Diamond, kind of said, yeah, you know, people do want to see profitability. So this deal is being pitched as a way to bring Zip to profitability by 2024. Fair enough. Now, we're going to dive into this a little bit more over on the site, but after seeing the Afterpay block deal and the Sezzle Zip deal, which is hard to say if you say that five times fast, we are seeing more BNPL consolidation. Now, obviously, the world wasn't going to stay as fragmented as it was when there were 64 billion different companies out there all pushing various geography or sector-focused BNPL solutions, but the point of consolidation does appear to have come sooner than I expected. What's going on? Well, I do think we've already kind of seen the reason, which is that as the value of BNPL companies goes down, they get cheaper to buy and they get cheaper to smush together. So why not more consolidation now? A little bit of context there. Affirm, the American BNPL giant, sought shares appreciate all the way up to $176.65 per share at their 52-week high. What are they worth now? Guess. Come on, say a number. There you go. It's actually $39. Were you close? If you weren't close, you're probably on the high side, and that's because, oh my gosh, how did it lose nearly all of its value? Well, it's not alone. And as it was repriced, so were its rivals, and so perhaps we'll see more BNPL consolidation, which means lots of fodder for us to write about. Anyways, congrats to Zip and Cecil. Hopefully this saves your market valuation. And that is all the time we have this fine morning. Do not forget, you can follow Equity over on Twitter, where we tweet under the handle EquityPod. It's also where we do our Twitter spaces, if that's your jam. You can follow me on Twitter, where I tweet under the handle Alex, and we will talk to you soon. We have a great show coming for you this Wednesday and Friday. And then next week, so the first kind of full week of March, if you will, we're going to have another live show on Thursday. This time, of course, we don't expect a war to kick off, so we'll do the actual show. We'll see you then. Found is live this week on Thursday. If that's your jam, support our sister podcasts. Equity's out. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.